Hello and a warm welcome. I'm Armin Trost, professor at the Furtwangen University in Germany. And this is my series on human resources strategies, a real master course for advanced HR students, professionals and executives. This series is available on YouTube and on all podcatchers like iTunes or Spotify. All slides that support this series are available on my website. For more information, please read the description to this YouTube or podcast. I'd also like to refer to my book, Human Resources Strategies, available at most online bookstores. So, again, thanks for listening Have fun and gain valuable insights into the fascinating world of HR strategies. So now let's move to our classic of human resource management, selection. Okay, selection as part of recruiting. And let me... Again, start with a simple question. When selecting candidates, in your eyes, what is of high priority? What is really important when selecting people? And you know, I always had a clear answer to this. It's validity. It's about selecting the right people. And um, of course, I mean, I'm an industrial and organizational psychologist. And when I studied... Uh, the, I, I only learned about how to predict performance. So we, we we dealt with all these nice things that we can do. Uh, we can use tests, of course. We can use assessment centers. We can run interviews. We, we can do all sort of things. And the question always was, okay, how is the validity? To what extent can we really predict future performance or behavior? That was the idea. But is that all? Is that everything we have to consider when it comes to selection? I would say no. And there must be some strategic decisions that you need to make in your organization. And let me start with this first idea of validity first. Of course, validity is important. That, that is the, the, the primary reason why you do selection. You, you might be in a situation, independent from the recruiting scenario, that you have more than one candidate. And once you have more than one candidate for one single position, you have to make a choice. And of course, you want to hire the one who is of uh, most suitable. But, but who is that? And to start with a classic idea, uh, here is Here is a little bit uh, a, a structure saying, okay, what we do when we select people is nothing else than predicting performance, right? We, we have a candidate here. Let's name him John and say, okay, hmm, will John perform well or not? So what do we predict? Will we predict a performance that is above expectation or below expectation? Yeah, And once we predict a high level of performance, we will hire him or her, right? Okay, so that's one thing. But the other dimension then is what will be the actual performance? How will, how will reality turn out to be? And will John, whom I predict being a high performer, will he really be above expectation or not? So we need to compare 
predicted performance and actual performance. Okay, and you can imagine this as a two by two uh, uh, diagram. Yeah, uh, two dimension predicted performance above expectation, below expectation, and the other dimension is actual performance above expectation, below expectation. And if you split both dimension into two, let's think a little bit black and white. You have a two times two grid. Okay, and now let's look at different uh, fields in this grid. What you want is that if you predict low performance, that If you would have hired this person, low performance would have been low. Meaning you have rejected the right person. Okay? And also what you want is that once you predict a high level of performance based on your selection tool or your recruiting procedure, you expect that the actual performance will be high. So meaning you have hired the right person. This is, this is fine. This is exactly what you want. But there are two arrows you can do. And one is called the alpha arrow. And the alpha arrow means you predict a high level of performance, but once you have hired this person, this person turns out to be a warm body, a low performer. This is bad. You have hired the wrong person. I don't want to go into detail what, what that in particular means. That means a lot. And this is something you don't want. But also what you don't want is what we name the beta arrow. You dismiss somebody whom, if you would have hired him or her, would have turned out to be a high performer. So you have dismissed the wrong person. You should better have hired him or her. This is also a mistake you could do. It's, it's called the, the beta error. Okay, to sum it up, beta error, dismiss the suitable candidate, alpha error, hiring candidates that are not suitable. So what does validity mean? Validity simply means that you reduce the alpha error and the beta error. You want to hire the right people and you want to dismiss the not so good people. Okay? So this is what you want. And, and of course, it's not a surprise that in the past we always were focusing on, on the question how valid is our selection tool. And, and you know, I, I sometimes have the feeling that is the only criteria. That's the only priority when it comes to selection. But actually, it's not. It's, it's really not. So in this episode, I would like to guide you through some, some strategic dimension that might be of, of, of relevance for you. Okay? So let me simply start with, um, with one dimension. And here is the strategic statement. We fill vacancies. The starting point for this is always the most detailed possible description of a job specific of job specific requirements. Finding requires knowing what you are looking for. Okay. I mean this is this is a classic idea. If you want to fill a position, be absolutely clear about the job specific requirements. Okay. What What must somebody who fills this position really bring in? Which competencies, which experience, which skills, which attitude, which whatever, <laughs> which kind of education? So, and, and some would say, the more precise you are, 
the better is your selection. Because only when you exactly know what you're looking for, if you have a clear picture in mind about whom you want to hire, then you really can understand whether the right candidate is sitting in front of you. If you don't know what you're looking for, everybody might be suitable. Okay, I mean... And I know many many of you would say, yes, of course, that's the right way to go. Yes, subscribe. I subscribed this three times. Okay, here is, here is an alternative strategic statement. We enable careers, the developments of which are always uncertain. Therefore, our requirement profiles are always as generic as possible. Above all, candidates must fit the company. Okay, what does that mean? That means that you do not fill positions. You hire for careers and companies. Uh, what does that mean? I mean, it could be that you are a professional, that you have uh, already a couple of years of working experience and you work in the same company since since more than five years, maybe 10 years, 15 years, 20 years in the same company. Uh, can you remember the job description of the job for which you were hired? Do you, what, what you currently are doing in your job, is that still the same thing for, for which you were hired? Probably not. I mean, career path can be so, so fuzzy, so different. It, it could be that you were hired as a salesperson, but now you work in, in purchase. I mean, everything is possible. And some companies want to, want to encourage this and say, well, okay, when we hire you, of course you must fit to a job. Of, of course, but, but that's not, that, that does not really matter. What really matters is whether you fit to the company. And, and nobody knows what you will do in two years or three years. So, I mean, we don't care about the job you're hired for so much, Okay. The, the real question is, do you fit to the company? Will you have a good future in the company? Um, so this is a different strategic statement. And, and, and you know, now, now you can wrestle with yourself. Yeah? And, and you say, okay, what is right? Should we be very precise or should we be very, uh, uh, very uh, generic? Uh, and there is not a, a right or wrong in that uh, uh, concern. But, but still, you need to decide. And if you have a culture of diversity where you value individuality, you rather tend to have generic requirements. Okay? So, I must refer it to the context. You want to select the right people? Fine. You always have to. But what drives you? Do you, do you have... Do you want to value individuality? So better be generic. Okay. So, this is this is uh, this is uh, first uh, strategic dimension to to be considered. Now, here's another thing. Um, very often, when we want to hire an employee, uh, we want to make sure that the new hire will be capable of doing his or her job right from the first day of employment. Okay, we want to have people who are really capable to start off immediately. This is this is our dream. This is what we what we what we hope. <laughs> okay, but you know, especially in times of talent shortage, 
this is this is this could be very difficult, especially for specialist hiring, difficult mass hiring, very often also for strategic hiring. So, what I want to, I would like to talk about is the difference between potential and competence when it comes to hiring. I know that many companies are looking for competence, which is which is fair enough. I mean, yeah, okay. But some other companies they don't uh, consider competence in the first place they consider potential well, what does that mean now let's let's have a let, let's be more specific okay let's let's compare two persons okay two persons let's name them a and b yeah and let's say both employees a and b they have a certain level of competence in something let's say in Selling things, <laughs> sales competence. Let's have a very simple example. It's a competence of selling things. You have a sales competence. Okay, that's something you learn, right? I mean, all the things you do, you have learned in your life. <laughs> so, and when when you learn something, you always follow a kind of a learning curve. You start small and then you get better and better and better and better and at some point of time you reach the peak and, and maybe then you get worse, right? This is, that applies for everything. Your capability to play an instrument, your capability of programming software, your capability of playing golf or whatever. You learn like this. It's a learning curve that in the beginning is very often steep and then it, it flattens uh, um, flattens uh, and drops maybe later on. So, okay, now let's look at the learning curve of two person, A and B. And A has a very flat learning curve, learning over time, but constantly. And B has a very steep learning curve. Yeah, And let's assume B was hired a little bit later than A. Now, in this particular moment, when you want to compare the competences of these people, you see that A is better than B. A is better than B. Okay, okay. A had more time to learn it, and B learned very quickly. But still, A is better than B. Whom will you hire? If you focus on competence, you will hire A, the better one. You always hire the better one. You do a test, you do an interview, and you look, okay, how good are you in this selling things? And you see A is better than B, so let's better hire A. Okay, but, but you know, as I said, the learning curve of A, the better one, was more flat, and the learning curve of B is very steep. And if you continue the learning curve, it might turn out that on the long run, B will be much better than A. Because A, at the point of selection, was already at the peak, more or less. While B had a very steep learning curve, and if that goes on, B will be a rainmaker. He will sell like, like, like hell, you know. So, here is the difference. Do you want to focus on competence, or do you want to focus on development? And let me summarize this with two strategic statements. The first statement that focus on competencies is we hire employees so that they can perform their assigned tasks well in their respective positions within the shortest possible time. Sounds good, huh? Anything else would be a waste of resources. Yes, you want to hire competent people. 
for most HR professionals, this is this is a given. This is not something that you that you would ever challenge. We want to hire competent people. Yes, of course. Maybe not. Maybe not. So here is the here is the other strategic statement. Potential is more important in personal selection than current competence. This enlarges the relevant target group and is more promising in the long term. Wow. That sounds good as well. <laughs> That sounds good as well. So in the selection uh, process, in the recruiting process, you might not focus so much what can you do now, but what can you learn in the future? How fast did you learn in the past? So this potential thing is a little bit tricky, I know. And we're going to talk about potential when it comes to talent identification. We're going to spend a little bit more time on this. Potential is, is a little bit difficult, I must admit, because potential is always about the future, always. So, I mean, it's it's already hard to to predict uh, performance. It's it's sometimes hard. I know it as a psychologist to 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 measure competence, but how hard it is to 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 really predict future potential? I mean, that's that's a, that's that's a difficult diff, difficult thing. And uh, just to to add one notion here. If you see that somebody learns very quickly or has learned very quickly in the past, you might assume that the development in the future will continue. Will it really? We'll never know. It's about the future. But probability is high. Okay? So if somebody's hungry to learn something, if somebody has proven in the past that he or she will learn something, and if he or she has the general cognitive capabilities and the right level of curiosity that he or she will learn things. And I know a lot of a lot of very, very, very successful CEOs who always said, you know, the only thing that matters when hiring people is that they are curious and smart. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Wow. So if you if you're curious and smart, you're going to learn everything. So why not focus on potential? And once you focus on potential, And not on competence, the target group in the labor market is is much bigger. Okay? So this is another strategic dimension. Okay. So now let's move on. And and here is a here is a, um very let's say distracting idea, maybe. Who benefits from the selection procedure? Who benefits from the assessment center? Who benefits from the interview you are running? Who benefits from the tests you, you, you are conducting with the candidates? Who benefits? Or in other terms, who is the customer of all this? For whom are you doing this? And, and you know, the, the default answer and the answer that you find in almost all textbooks about HR or industrial and organizational psychology, they provide a very clear answer. They would say, it's the managers and their teams. They are the customer of all the, 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 the personal selection procedure. I mean, whom else? They have to make a decision. Yes. Yes, that's true. And, and, but I want to question this. Uh, now let's let's get back to to different hiring scenarios. Yeah. 
sorry when I'm bothering you with that, but but that's so so essential. Yeah? Uh, when when it comes to let's say specialist hiring. You want to hire an international tax lawyer and you know it's very hard to hire this person. And now, eventually, you have this candidate in front of you, sitting there in the interview. Okay, you have to make a decision. You, you, uh, you, the hiring manager, you as HR, you as the company, you have to make a decision. Will we hire this candidate? But if you assume that you are the only one who's ma who make, ma make a decision, then you are definitely wrong when it comes to specialist hiring. The one who's making a decision in the first place is the candidate. The candidate will decide whether or not he or she will take this job. And that matters most. But when it comes to specialist hiring, I mean, very low talent availability, it's the candidate who makes the decision and not you as the employer. You know, for, for most, for, for many HR professionals, this is absolutely clear, but it's not so much clear for many managers, uh, line managers, executives, and so on. But that's a fundamental understanding that it's not you, HR makes the decision, it's the candidate who makes the decision. So you better differentiate. You think, okay, who is the customer of the selection procedure who primarily benefits from it and once you have aligned your strategy here right then you will come up with different uh, practical implications as I will show you in a minute so which strategic statement will you subscribe here's the first statement Managers and their teams are the customers of personal selection. We make every effort to ensure that they are satisfied with the process, methods, and decisions as a whole. Okay? As HR department, you want to make the hiring manager happy. You enable him with the tools so that he or she can make the right decisions upon a candidate. Okay, cool. That's one way to go. But the other way you could go is to say something different. We treat applicants as customers and do everything in our power to be faster, more transparent and more appreciative than our competitors in the selection process. A different strategy. And it even goes further. It's not just about enabling the candidate to make the right decision, but to shape the process in a way that he or she, the candidate, will have a good experience. And uh, what does that mean, good experience? Good experience means three things. And, and you really do this when it comes to specialist hiring or when it comes to difficult mass hiring. It's, it's absolutely essential. And really, it, it's, it's about speed. You have to be fast. And how fast do you have to be? Simply faster than your competitors. So meaning, if somebody applies, uh, you react faster than your competitors. If you run an interview with an international tax lawyer and you see it's a good candidate, you respond as quickly as possible. Your speed really matters because the good people, they have many options on their table. So you better be fast. Okay? Second, you must be transparent. Transparency is key. So a candidate should always know what is the next step in the process. Uh, why do we do this? Why do we have this additional interview? Why do I have to do this test? 
Why? Um, and, and how can I benefit from it? That's also an important point. Yeah? How does that enable myself to, to, to have a better understanding about the job in question and whether I feel that I'm capable enough, whether I feel that I'm going to enjoy this job? Okay? Transparency is extremely important. Be open. Yeah? And the third thing is appreciation. You really must value your candidates. And, and uh, you know, the, the candidate must feel welcomed. And, and I know from my experience, and I know from stories my students tell me over and over and over, uh, is that there are still many companies who treat their candidates in a very, let's say, arrogant way. Yeah? And, and that's not good. Really not. You don't let the candidate wait. You don't let the candidate in the dark. Yeah? You, you, you tell the candidate, you are welcome. Good to have you here. Thanks for spending the time. So, and, you know, that, that's, 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 uh, that, that's something crucial, very interpersonal. So speed, transparency, and appreciation. And, you know, now let, let, let me move uh, some, some minutes into, into, into the design level, the fourth level, the operational level. There are so many things you as a company can do to increase the candidate experience. Uh, when it comes to speed, it might be a good idea to say, okay, it will take no longer than 10 minutes to submit an application. It's easy to apply Uh, an interview appointment within a few days after the application. Be fast. If you have your gold candidate in the pipeline, run the interview as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, you can plan this, by the way. If you, if you do active sourcing, if you really approach the people actively, you can upfront, you can uh, have some time slots ready for the interviews that will come, okay? You can prepare something. Um, I know some companies who arrange uh, personal appointments yeah, uh, for signing of the, of the assignment of the employment contract. They say, okay, let's meet in two weeks and then we sign the contract, okay? So to speed up the process uh, or, or when it comes to tr transparency, Uh, you, you can make sure that before applying, the applicant will be taught how the selection process works in concrete terms. Show it on your website. Tell the candidate, look, this is how we're going to do it. These are the five steps that we will always undertake. You better know so that you know where is your current status uh, and what, what will you expect. Okay? And when you run assessment centers, I mean assessment centers, that's, the, that's a very typical case. In the past, I've seen assessment centers where you just try to, 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 to select the people. So it was a kind of a torture. And the candidates, they just hope that they will survive this torture. But this is not good. An assessment center should be there also that the candidate gonna learn something about him or her and about the job. I mentioned that earlier. But what you can do uh, in particular is that participants after an assessment center receive personal feedback and a written report. Why not? Be transparent. Or 
having an app where applicants are informed about the status of their application on a real-time basis. I mean, we are in the 21st century. This should be possible, okay? It should never happen that a candidate must call in the HR department, knock in the door, saying, oh, sorry, don't want to bother you, but I just wanted to ask, what is the current status? Uh, I'm a little bit nervous. Please not. Uh, sorry. Uh, appreciation. When people are invited to an interview, you know, very often you have the situation that the candidate comes in, takes the seat at the table, which is offered to the candidate. Hey, John, you can sit here. Okay. Then Chud sits down. And then there are five, seven, ten, twelve people sitting around. And John is overwhelmed and uncertain. Who are all these people? Ooh, how can I remember their names? I learned that it's important to remember their names. He, that's not good. You, when you're thinking about an introduction of all interview participants, along with the invitation to the interview appointment, to interview, uh, inform the candidate up front, telling, look, this is the interview, and these five people will be there, and here are the profiles of those people, so that the candidate must not Google the people he is supposed to meet. Yeah. If it's about specialist hiring, here is a very simple idea. Let's say specialist hiring, okay? You're looking for this single hard-to-be-hired expert. And it's Monday morning, and you expect the candidate to come, and you believe this is your gold candidate, uh, and you pray to God that this candidate will be suitable, because if he's not, you will be in trouble. So the candidate will show up in the morning, Monday morning, 10 o'clock. You tell the receptionist that he or she will greet this candidate. Stand up and say, good morning, Sean. Welcome. Nice to have you here. Is that possible? Is that possible? <laughs> really? You know, I, I, I work as a consultant also, as an advisor, and I mean, this situation happened to me very often. I, I walk to the receptionist, and very often I wear a suit and tie yeah, as a consultant. I also could be uh, a candidate. <laughs> you know, I look like a candidate. In, especially, I, I have a meeting with a CHRO. Okay, I mean, <laughs> that, is, that's, that sounds like uh, that I come to an interview. And then I'm, I'm, I carefully look how the receptionist is treating me. And, you know, I experience very often so bad situations that the receptionist treats me in a very bad way or not in a, as friendly way as possible. So better do this. You know? Have a personal contact during the entire process. So these are all practical ideas you simply can do to increase candidate experience. But for this, you have to have this strategic alignment, this strategic direction saying, this is important to us. It's not just validity. It's about treating the candidates well. thing that I would like to share with you, and we are in the 21st century, and due to digitization, more and more companies think about the usage of artificial intelligence when it comes to selection. And that's a that's a, a smart thing, of course. And uh, still, companies need to do a kind of strategic decision here. Uh, let, let me let me talk about this uh, in this last uh, step of this episode. What is that? 
artificial intelligence in, in when it comes to, to selecting candidates? Well, l let me put that in, in, in simple terms, okay? What you, what you basically are doing is you look into the past. You, you look at your past experience. And when you look at the past experience, you probably had applicants, And when you had applicants, there was a kind of human decision-making. So some people, some recruiters, some, some hiring managers made a decision upon whom to hire and whom not to hire. So you had information about, about application, applicants and their application, and, and maybe even, even more things around the applicant, things like their presence in social media, uh, whom they know, uh, where they live, and, and all, all these things. And what you also had in the past, and you always will have, maybe, are information around the employees, those people that are already employed in your company. So a lot of things. And what you do with them is maybe something like a kind of performance evaluation. Might not necessarily mean the, the regular annual performance review, but, but any kind of performance-related indicators, measures, uh, uh, numbers, uh, uh, whatever. So... You looked into the past and you, you took all this data, very often unstructured data, that, that we name it uh, big data, and, and then you, you do a kind of analysis. It, it's primarily something like, like multiple regression analysis uh, where you simply find uh, correlations. It's more than correlation. It's, it's you, you, you build a kind of linear model where you combine different uh, criteria You weight these different criteria and then you calculate a kind of score. And you try to model the decision that you made in the past based on an algorithm. That's a mathematical thing. You simply model the past. A model that to the best possible extent explains or describes the, 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 the behavior of the past. Okay. And uh, then you use this algorithm for the future, for future predictions. So once there is an applicant, you look at the criteria that are included in this algorithm, you weight this criteria, and then a score is calculated, simply a score. And when the score is above a certain threshold, you hire the person, and if it's below a certain threshold, you, you, you reject the, the candidate. This is how it goes. The algorithm will calculate a, a, a score that predict the machine-based selection. And then the selection is machine-based. Okay, then you hire people based on that uh, selection procedure or you don't hire people. Once you hire people, you can, again, observe their behavior and, and, and their performance. And that, again, goes back into the algorithm, telling the algorithm whether the algorithm was, was good or not. So the algorithm will constantly be updated, uh, optimized, and this is what we name machine learning. Okay, so I know this is a very, very simplified view. And um, if you are a specialist in AI and artificial intelligence, you might say, "Oh no, no, no! It's it's not so simple." Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. It's it's not so simple. It's oversimplified. Look at it, but still, uh, for the time being, uh, that that should that should be enough for for your rough understanding. Well. Now, this algorithm is a kind of black box. You put data into it, and then the algorithm does something, 
and then the algorithm leads to an outcome, and this outcome is used to make a decision upon people. And here comes the strategic question that you have to answer in your organization whenever you think about using artificial intelligence in, in a recruiting. And again, let me summarize these two strategic dimensions with two opponent statements. And the first statement is the following. We strive to make personal selection decisions based as far as possible on artificial intelligence, appropriate algorithms and big data. This enables us to achieve greater efficiency and objectivity. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> For some companies that sounds really cool. Especially this, this objectivity part. There is the assumption that algorithms do not discriminate. Which is wrong. Which is very often is wrong. When, when the algorithm is based on past behavior. So in the past when you were discriminating, and I hope you did not... But in the past, when you were discriminating, the algorithm will take this yeah, and will learn from this. Because the algorithm, for sure, has no attitude. The algorithm has no, has no um, opinion. The algorithm has no, does not share any kind of cultural values. The, the algorithm is cold. That's, that's, that's pure math. Okay? But for sure it's efficient because the algorithm tells you in a millisecond whether a candidate is, is, is suitable or not. So here is, the, here is the other strategic statement. Decisions about people and their future are always made by people. Such decisions require the assumption of personal, interpersonal responsibility. And I headline this statement with... Uh, with a principle of people over systems. People are more important than systems. So this is a different way of viewing at artificial intelligence. That does not necessarily mean that you don't use artificial intelligence. You might use it, but you use artificial intelligence just to, to have a kind of another opinion, another, another input. Maybe the algorithm can recommend whether or not somebody should be hired or not. You, you, you might do this, but the final decision is always made by a person, by a human being. And uh, this is uh, this is a different point of of view at these things. Uh, there is especially one situation where this might matter. I mean, assume that there is an applicant, John. John has applied, so you use his data, and the algorithm will come to the conclusion not to hire John. John is asking you, "Hey, why why did you uh, reject me?" And and your answer will be. Well, I don't know. I, that was the algorithm. Uh, and then John might, might insist on having an answer. Okay, so uh, uh, what does the algorithm say? You will say, well, I don't know the algorithm. And by the way, that algorithm is constantly changing every day. Yeah. Okay, that is not something that really contributes to a positive candidate experience, I, I would say. Really not. I mean, nobody wants to be rejected by... A formula, right? <laughs> this this might not be respectful. So, okay, some would say 
just using algorithm that's hiding behind black boxes. You you transfer the responsibility to a to to a simple simple algorithm. Okay, I mean you can do it, but that's one way to go. But you could go, but but there's also the the opposite, and and that's a as I said a fundamental strategic decision. In There will be another episode, uh, really in the end of this series, uh, that is dedicated only to people analytics, and um, there we, we again gonna 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 highlight uh, the, the, this this topic, but not just uh, with regards to recruiting, but with regards to nearly everything in human resource management. Okay, so for the moment that should be okay. You have seen, we were not talking about how to do an interview. We were not talking about how to run an assessment center. Uh, we did not talk about whether tests are valid or not. This is bachelor stuff. Here I can refer to my uh, YouTube, which I produced a couple of years ago. Yeah, in my, my, my YouTube uh, lecture on human resource management, there were, I guess, two two uh, episodes, long episodes about um, candidate selection. So if you want to learn the basics, um, you, you can look, you can watch this. This episode only was about some strategic strategic alignments regarding selection. Okay? So, hey, again, thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.